Hey, hey I'm Mary. Nice, nice to see nice you. To see thanks you. for coming in. Sure, thanks for having me. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what is this show? Who are you? This is Jesse Isinger. I'm an editor and senior reporter at ProPublica. He's covered financial crime for about a decade. Now, you know, I used to be a Wall Street reporter, and then it turns out that if you're a Wall Street reporter, you really are a crime reporter. Uh, and uh, so I've sort of morphed. And I wanted to talk to Jesse because I knew that when the New York Times began publishing stories about the Trump family's tax fraud, Jesse was reading the same papers you and I were, but he was seeing something totally different. Multiple generations, the New York Times having access uh, to a trove of previously secret documents. The Times uh, alleging here that the president received up to $413 million in today's money uh, from his father's... Quick reminder here. The Times reported that while Donald Trump has claimed to be a self-made billionaire, he actually benefited from hundreds of millions of dollars in gifts from his father. And much of that money came from dubious tax schemes. Mr. Trump has always claimed to be a self-made billionaire. It was a central theme of his 2016 campaign. I got a very, very small loan from my father many years ago. I built that into a massive empire, and I paid my father back that loan. And then a few days ago, the Times published another report, this time about Jared Kushner. The New York Times is reporting that President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, paid either very little or zero federal income tax for at least seven years. Kushner's they allege that despite earning $1.7 million in 2015, Kushner paid no taxes on it. Says his low tax bills are the result of a common tax minimizing maneuver that year after year generated millions of dollars in losses for Mr. Kushner, according to the documents. But the losses. The thing is, when Jesse saw these reports, he saw something more than just one family's potentially illegal activity. He saw a whole system gone wrong. In the case of Jared Kushner, the tax write-offs he made, they were totally legal. And Jesse says, yeah, that's actually part of the problem. There's a famous Michael Kinsley line, the scandal is what's legal. And if we have vastly wealthy people getting enormous amounts of income and increasing their wealth and not paying any federal income tax, that's a big and important problem for society. It's depressing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, most of what I do and most of my conversations end up with somebody saying that's really depressing. Today on What Next?, Jesse Isinger is going to tell us about the scandal underneath the scandals you've already heard about, why enforcement at the IRS is plummeting, so that in spite of all that outrage over the Trump family's tax bill, it may be safer to cheat on your taxes now than it has been for the last decade. Stay with us. Okay, where do we leave off? The scandal is what's legal. Oh yeah, that's right. And if we have vastly wealthy people getting enormous amounts of income and increasing their wealth and not paying any federal income tax, that's a big and important problem for society. And that's why Jesse's opened up an investigation into the U.S. tax system, how it works, or maybe more accurately, how it doesn't. My colleague Paul Keel and I have been looking at the IRS for most of the last year. Uh, we've done one story, and we ha uh, I hope, knock on wood, they uh, will produce some other stories. Um, we're really interested in uh, our tax system and our tax collection. And what we're finding is that the IRS is a profoundly troubled agency, um, almost crippled. You say crippled. Why? Well, 
there has been a concerted effort to cut the budget of the IRS primarily from the Republicans in Congress, but with Democrats essentially ceding to it um, since 2011. 2011? Um, yeah, so this goes back to the Obama years. This is actually not really a Trump story, but the budget has been cut by literally billions in real dollars. Headcount is down by tens of thousands of people. We have the same number of auditors at the IRS that we had in 1953, the year that Joseph Stalin died. You know, the economy was a tenth of the size. We didn't have multi-billionaires with global operations then. Our tax system has gotten vastly more complex, and we don't have the bodies to police it. You know, you spoke to IRS investigators. What did they tell you about what it's like working inside this organization? Yeah, well, one of them, uh, one of the top uh, IRS investigators said there's been an almost entirely, uh, there has been a collapse in the commitment to police tax fraud. A collapse? A collapse. That's what he said. What does that look like? So what it looks like is nothing's getting done. <laughs> um, it, it's a little bit of a difficult story to tell because um, it's hard to tell a story about something that's not happening. So the IRS is um, only an interesting bureaucracy to me and Paul but um, <laughs> uh, and not many other people, but uh, it collects taxes and then it enforces the tax laws. And the enforcement of the tax laws, they're, they're actually only a few thousand people and um, kind of a poor relation. They're really kind of regarded as hotshots, but they the rest of the bureaucracy doesn't really like them. What those guys do is they have guns and they get to investigate, and they like to investigate things like money laundering. Oh, and they drug have guns. Dealing. Yeah, yeah, they have guns and flak jackets, and they go on raids and things like that. They're they're like real investigators. What they don't do anymore, and what we were really shocked about, is. They don't really investigate and prosecute people who cheat on their taxes when they get legal income and then cheat on their taxes. They like to do this stuff where the income is illegal and they attach themselves to investigations. So Yeah, you said that part of the problem is that the investigators like investigating Ponzi schemes and like narcotics. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even think the IRS investigated that stuff. Right. Although like, well, everybody knows famously that we got Al Capone on tax evasion, right? right. So the reason they did that was they couldn't prove, you know, his murder and his racketeering and all the the violations that he was doing as a mobster. So they got him on tax evasion. Now what it's like is what IRS people do is they basically go uh, attach themselves to an investigation where a guy's going to go to prison for life for three murders, and then they tack on two more years of tax evasion to it. Uh, um, so like that's what we, that's what our tax guys are uh, doing right now. And it's really not a good system because what we want to do, what the IRS should do is audit, that's the civil side, um, examine, make sure that people are not cheating on their taxes. And then if they are cheating on their taxes, go investigate them and police it so that people have the um, disincentive to do it. So tax cheating is boring. I also kind of think of it like when I think about the Trump family, I imagine this wealthy family with like a lot of lawyers and a lot of loopholes that they're working versus a guy in a cubicle 
all alone in D.C. And is that true, too? Yeah, of course. They're massively um, outgunned um, the resources that the wealthy have to bring to bear. And corporations, you know, this is a big story about corporations avoiding taxes, too, because the effective tax rate of corporations is much lower than the headline rate. But it's because the IRS is dramatically outgunned. Yeah. You know, in your story, you talk about Don Fort. Yeah. He's he's running the investigations for the IRS? Right. Now, he's the head of the criminal operation, uh, criminal investigations of the IRS. Yeah. And he uh, uh, he's trying to fix it. Um, but, you know, he's trying to fix uh, a dam that's cracked and leaking with um, a little bit of duct tape. Hmm. Have you spoken to him about the plan and how you tow the line here? Uh, you know, it's funny because um, we saw him speak uh, at a conference where he um, really was lamenting the lack of resources. He re- mentioned this number of fewer than 800 cases of tax fraud brought for people at legal income, you know, what I was referring to earlier. He said that's a stunning number, and he was, you know, sort of chagrined about it. Um, We asked for an interview and he agreed to an interview and then someone somewhere in the bureaucracy shut it down. Um, We are continuing to be interested in talking to somebody from the IRS, but it looks like the Trump administration has been really taking this hard line on talking to reporters. The IRS is part of the Treasury Department and it seems to us that someone in Treasury somewhere said, don't talk. Huh. So they want to get this story out too. The people inside the yeah. IRS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They. Um, I don't think people really understand how fully crippled the IRS has been. I guess what you're saying is there have been these articles about tax fraud that we've seen, or alleged tax fraud, I guess I should say. But this could be happening right now, and the IRS probably won't have the resources to investigate it. They wouldn't know about it. Um, they wouldn't know about it. And even if they had some inkling about it, they wouldn't be looking. And even if they looked, they wouldn't find it because they don't have the skill set anymore. So what's Times reported on is not only legal, but expect more to come. Yeah, uh, more aggressive. You know, so, you know, the Republicans and Trump passed a massive tax overhaul last year, as we all recall. And that was billed as something that was going to be a huge reform, a simplification of the tax code, something that was going to generate huge amounts of economic growth for the country. And that was, and reduce the deficit. All those things were not true. Hmm. Um, You know, it did probably boost growth a little bit, but it was anything but a simplification. It was actually um, layers and layers of complications on the tax code. Um, and it was disproportionately went for the to the wealthy, not to the average American. And it blew a giant hole in the deficit. But what's very interesting about the Jared Kushner situation is that there are two things that he took advantage of in the tax code. One was this thing called real estate depreciation, where you, even though your building is appreciating, getting more valuable, you get to, for tax purposes, say, well, there's a lot of wear and tear in the building, and so we're going to get to reduce our taxes that way. They took a lot of advantage of that. Then the second thing they took advantage of that was very well explained in the article is when you sell your building, if you put that money into a new building 
pretty much right away or within a certain period of time, you avoid capital gains taxes on that. So there are these two provisions that Jared Kushner is taking advantage of to avoid taxes, and those both got more generous in the tax law. So what you're saying is that we talk a lot about how ineffective and chaotic the White House is, but in reality, with the IRS and taxes, this is a way that the administration is being very effective. Uh, yeah, I think that it's a complete misunderstanding of the Trump administration to think of it as a shambolic operation, chaos, changing the subject all the time with a lot of palace intrigue and people coming and going. Below the surface, this has been an enormously efficient operation, not just with tax reform, which was very effective at delivering a huge gift to the wealthy, a lot of people who donate to the Trump administration and uh, to the Trump campaign, but and Republicans, but also across the board with regulation. Um, they are rolling back regulations in a very laser-focused, precise way. So you see this in, they're rolling back the administrative state, they are delivering gifts uh, and benefits to their political constituents and uh, mega donors. And in the courts, they've um, had extremely efficient judicial uh, nominating process that have put in a huge number of judges in place. So across the board, you see a very effective administration. How do you keep from being completely cynical? Um, well, I have a high outrage factor. So I just wake up in the morning and I want to express my outrage and I go out and I uh, try to figure out what's going on in the world. Um, so, you know, I don't think you can afford to be cynical. I am realistic about the amount of change that uh, any of our stories can have, but I feel this moral obligation to go out and report on it. Thank you so much for coming in today. Hey, thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As we put the show to bed tonight, I've got one more thing on my mind, which is that earlier today, President Trump threatened to close the southern border to prevent a caravan of more than a thousand migrants from getting into the United States. We told you about this group yesterday. They're walking all the way to the U.S. from Honduras. Vox reporter Dara Lynn said when we hear politicians using this kind of heated rhetoric, the kind of rhetoric that Trump used on Twitter today, it's worth thinking about why they're using it just a few weeks before a big election. You know, there's a good argument to be made that this kind of masses of people swarming the U.S.-Mexico border imagery is exactly what Donald Trump has run on from the beginning. The question, though, is how much this is going to mobilize people when the Trump administration has been saying for a year at this point that the U.S. is basically being invaded and that immigration is a critical issue. President Trump has already urged Republican candidates to campaign on this issue. 
the same time, liberal groups have advised Democratic candidates not to talk about immigration at all because it doesn't help them. But I can't get this fact out of my head. Since 2000, arrests of people at the border have gone down dramatically. 18 years ago, we arrested 1.6 million people. This year, we'll arrest about a third of that. Which means that at the border, what you call a crisis depends on your point of view. That's our show today. We're piloting this thing in public for the next month or so through the midterms. So we're going to be moving stuff around, changing things up. And we want to hear from you as we do that. What do you like? What do you hate? What do you want us to do differently? Any of that stuff, just drop us a line at whatnextatslate.com. This show is hosted by me, Mary Harris, produced by Mary Wilson and Jason DeLeon. Our engineer is Terrence Bernardo. Special thanks to TJ Raphael, June Thomas, and so many other people here at Slate who make this show happen. Until next time, I'm Mary Harris. Thank you for listening. 